The following narration is taken from The Wise and the Foolish Virgins Sermons on Matthew 25 By Thomas Manton While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Matthew 25 What happened to the virgins? They all slumbered and slept. What was the occasion of it? I do not say the cause. While the bridegroom tarried. Who? All of them. What? They slumbered and slept. First, who? All of them. It is no wonder to hear it. Of the foolish virgins. But that the wise should do it also. That is the difficulty. Therefore, some of the ancients understand it of death, which is called sleep in scripture, but that is improbable, and doesn't suit with the frame and drift of this parable. Some would understand it distributively, not conjunctively, that the wise slumbered and the foolish slept, but it is not said slumbered or slept, but slumbered and slept. The meaning is, all of them were not diligent in their duty as they should have been. Even the good are, in part, negligent as well as the foolish. Though they always keep a good conscience, and a heart in some measure always prepared to meet Christ. Secondly, what? They slumbered and slept, in which the degree of their security is set forth. They did not only slumber, which is a lesser failing, but they slept. Thirdly, the order. First they slumbered, and then they slept. Doctrine, that the foolish and wise both slumber and sleep. I shall first inquire what the slumbering and sleeping is. Secondly, how far it may befall the children of God, or the wise virgins, Thirdly, the causes and reasons of it. First, what this slumbering and sleeping is, it is twofold, that of the body and that of the mind. That of the body when the senses cease for a time to do their office. That of the mind is a secure state of soul, and that is twofold, moral and spiritual. First, moral, when reason and natural knowledge is, as it were, asleep and useless to us. A man does not act as a reasonable creature. Ye brutish among the people, when will you be wise? In Psalm twenty-two twenty-seven, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. Psalm one nineteen verse fifty-nine. I thought on my ways and turned my feet to thy testimonies. If men would improve common principles and show themselves men, they could not continue in that course of life in which they allow themselves. In part the sleep of reason may fall the children of God. They do not consider nor turn their minds to their affairs, nor act as men whose eyes are open. Second, spiritual sleeping. Here I shall show the nature and effects of it. A. The nature of it. When graces are not lively and kept in exercise. I shall instance and throw three theological graces. Faith, hope, and love. A weak 
dead faith, a feeble, sleepy love, a cold and careless hope. A weak and dead faith that consists more in a form of knowledge than in a lively assent to the truths of godliness. A dead opinionative belief may stand with a carnal life. James 2 verse 20 Faith without works is dead. The word of God has come to them in word only, not in power. It puts no life into what we believe. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 it does not work effectually. This will fit the slumbering and sleeping of the foolish virgins. But alas, the wise have their drowsy fits. The truths of the word concerning God, Christ, heaven and hell, have not such a lively influence upon them by the blandishments of worldly prosperity. Faith has fallen asleep, ready to give place to the flesh, and they are governed more by fancy and appetite than by the heavenly mind. There is no consideration of the vanity of earthly things. The heart is kept strange to God in heaven, and the soul is taken up with carnal projects more than it should be. Number two, a feeble, sleepy love which does not level and direct our actions to the great end of them, which is the pleasing and glorifying of God, so that they live too much to themselves. Love and vigor overrules us to live to God. Second Corinthians five fourteen and 15 For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they should not henceforth live to themselves, but to him who died for them and rose again. And this keeps us more sincere and uniform in our course, always tending to the great end. Number three, a cold and careless hope. When there is not that earnest and desirous expectation of blessedness to come, which fortifies us against the allurements of sense. Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth, where moth and rust corrupts, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust corrupts, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your hearts be also. They do not mind their true treasure. The effects of this sleepiness are seen in these things first. In some intermission of their care and caution, watching as a diligent taking heed to ourselves and ways, so as we keep ourselves from sin. We are in constant danger of sins that come on us by insensible degrees. Psalm 39 verse 1 I said I would take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. The best are surprised, and corruption often breaks out. We may say of them as Christ of the damsel, they are not dead, but sleep. The children of God are sometimes overtaken by their inadvertency. Galatians 6 verse 1 are overborne by the violence of temptations. James 1 verse 14 inconsiderately and suddenly surprised with sin. So subtle and insidious is Satan in tempting, 
and so ready is corruption to close with the temptation as soon as it is represented. If a child of God doth but abate anything of his circumspection and diligence, he will be surprised by someone, sin or other, and by this be brought to dishonor God and so lay a stumbling block before others. Besides those sins of daily incursion and sudden surruption, Satan lies in wait to draw us to greater offenses that may dishonor God and wound our peace and scandalize the world against our profession. Number two, some abatement of our zeal and fervency. We are not always fervent in spirit to do not keep up our life and seriousness and the duties of holiness. Our graces are not actuated and kept in exercise, but allow some decay, though they are not quite dead. Faith is weak. Love is cold. Matthew twenty four twelve. There is not that lively hope, First Peter one three. Christians should not only be living, but lively, first Peter two five. Ye as living stones. Nay, there may be so great a damp and quenching upon us that there is no outward visible difference between a dead man and a dying Christian. All things in us may be ready to die. Revelation 3 verse 2 Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. Life is even quite gone in some cases when sin has made fearful havoc in the conscience. Number three, in forgetfulness or non-attendance to the Lord's coming. When we live merrily, quietly, in a careless and unprepared state, this is necessarily to be taken in as the cause of the two former. In the slumbering and sleeping of the foolish virgins, the case is clear. Christ's absence or tarrying long is the occasion the world takes to grow secure and wicked. The scoffers walked after their own lusts, because they said, Where is the promise of his coming? Second Peter 3, 3 and 4. And in the degenerate church, the reason why they were given to sensuality, carnal pomp, and persecution is set down. Matthew 24, verse 49. My Lord delays his coming. Therefore the officers of the church smite their fellow servants, and eat and drink with the drunken. Encourage the wicked, and smite the godly with censers, as it was with the Israelites. There was no speech of making a calf when Moses first went up to the mount. But when he tarried long, Exodus 32, And as for this Moses, we what not what is become of him. Then nothing would content them but making a calf. Ordinances and institutions of Christ had never been so perverted in the Christian world, but that they forgot Christ's coming to see how they have been observed. First Timothy 6.14 That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now for the wise virgins, alas, there is not such a constant waiting for the coming of the Lord, for if we did not leave off to think of it, surely we would walk more cautiously and serve God with greater ardency and alacrity of spirit. But when we forget it, we let loose the reins and slacken our diligence and yield to the importunity of the flesh, and allow ourselves to be distracted with worldly cares or be numbed with fleshly delights, 
that we do not mind our duty of preparing for the Lord's coming. Secondly, how far may this seize upon Christians? The question may be stated negatively and affirmatively, how far it may and how far it may not. First, affirmatively, it may seize upon them not only when they are young, but when they are of long standing. When they are young, many a man newly converted, having had as yet no thorough experience of the strength of sin, the danger of temptations and his own weakness may bear a little too high upon the confidence of his own resolutions, which, because they are sincere, he thinks they will easily obtain their effect. In this rank I put Peter, whilst as yet the spirit was not poured out and was only under his master's wing. I count him but a novice then, in comparison of what he was afterwards. He was so confident of his affection to Christ and resolution that he had not a due sense of his danger. Matthew twenty six thirty three. But alas, how soon were his unpractised wings clipped, and he taken in the snare of the fowler. Honest Peter would not believe such weakness in himself, and so inexperienced Christians can hardly believe themselves to be so weak, as a temptation shows them to be. The more sincere their purpose is, the more confident they are in their own strength, even when near a fearful fall. So a man of long standing, being assured of salvation, may grow negligent, and supposing he has grace, and is possessed of the love of God, presumes that he needs not such a diligence as when he was doubtful of his state. And if he go round in a course of duty, and avoid grosser sins, he may think it is enough as if he were now past all danger, and so insensibly falls asleep, or into decay. Revelation 3 verse 18, because you say that I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that you may be rich, and white raiment, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness does not appear, and I solve, that you may see. It is not spoken to the gross carnal, or to beginners, or persons unacquainted with Christ, but to lukewarm professors, after the first labors of regeneration and the difficulties of reconciliation with God are passed over and the terrors of the law well vanquished and some peace and confidence gotten, then we are in danger of security by which means all may run to waste in the soul and sins break out and make our blindness and nakedness appear. The wise virgins slept not until their main work was in some measure over, and therefore a strange security and sleepiness is incident to us, and may befall not only the wicked, who scarce ever think of the world to come, being blinded with present things, but those that are good have their drowsy fits by which they remit of their zeal, and grow more dead, and are not so diligent in seeking occasions to do good. When we are in greatest danger, and matters most concerning us are in hand, and God calls most for our service, 
and so have most need to watch. Then are we usually most secure. Witness the disciples upon Mount Olivet after many warnings given them by Christ. Matthew twenty six forty one to 45 Until Christ tells them, Sleep on now, that is, sleep if you can. It will not be long ere you are thoroughly awakened. So often are the saints slumbering and sleeping when most need to be awake, and misspend the time in sluggishness and carnal rest, which is granted them to prepare themselves for trial. So Jonah one five, when a storm arises for his sake, though the winds blow and the sea roar and the mariners at their wits end, yet Jonah was fast asleep. Those most guilty and those whom the correction pointed at are most secure under it. And Samson is asleep when the Philistines are ready to come upon him. Now if ever should men be awake, now we are awakened by God's providence in the estate of the Christian world round about us. Now we should exercise all the grace and skill we can. They may show their sleepiness, thirdly, in their public relations, as while the envious man sowed tears. The husbandmen were asleep. Matthew thirteen twenty five. Many times magistrates are asleep when abuses creep in and eat out the bowels of the commonwealth. And ministers are asleep while the kingdom of Christ is undermined. Masters of families asleep while disorders creep into their houses. Magistrates are watchers as well as private Christians who sleep in neglect to care of souls. But especially ministers are to watch over their people's souls and should put forth their utmost care and diligence. Hebrew thirteen seventeen. Number four, it may befall them after some solemn service. Second Chronicles thirty five twenty. After this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, then he falls into that rash engagement against Pharaoh Necho, which cost him his life. Hezekiah, after his reformation, fell in the pride and provocation of God. Second Chronicles thirty two. Many times when we have performed some good service to God, we take occasion to be more careless and secure. We think we are privileged by our former diligence. If the righteous trust in his righteousness and commit iniquity, Ezekiel 33.13, that is upon the presumption that he laid in a fore merit, our hearts will be seeking some unlawful liberty, and we intermit our watch upon such occasions. Negatively, we must make the exceptions that are necessary. Though the wise virgins may slumber and sleep, and there be an intermission of the acts of grace, yet no failure of the habits of grace, or radical inclination to God. Some degrees may be remitted, acts intermitted, but the habit not extinguished. Still the seed of God remains in them. Love is a predominant habit. Sin does not possess a heart instead of God, First John 2.15. The habitual bent of the soul is more for God than for the flesh or the world. However he fail in some individual actions, the scope and tenor of his life is for God and sincere obedience. There is life and sap at the root, though in the winter the trees be without leaves and blossoms. Song of Solomon 5.2, I sleep, but my heart wakes. There is faith and hope and love in their hearts all this while. 
the Spirit of God abides in them and keeps alive his work, Second Timothy one fourteen. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwells in us. This Spirit remains in the saints to maintain the habits of grace. Their choice of God for their portion remains unshaken. They have chosen the better part, adhere to it, and have a general purpose to please God in all things. Number two, a universal slumber is not usually incident to the saints. It is not the sleep of the whole man as to all goodness. It is not in all parts of the soul. If there be a remiss will and dead affections, yet not a sleepy conscience, something that takes God's part, as appears because they are unsatisfied with this dull and drowsy state. Three, they are more easily alarmed and roused up out of it than others, to sleep the sleep of death. Their faith and love are soon awake again and easily set a work for God, somewhat to work upon. A true Christian rises by unfeigned repentance when his conscience has rest and helps to deliberate and considers what he has done, and so much the better resolves and considers himself against his sin for the time to come. Number four, when they rise again and repent and do their first works, they are more earnest and fervent than they were before as it were to make amends for their former languishing and to redeem the time they have lost. They double their diligence. Thirdly, I come to the reasons of this sleepiness. Number one, there are two principles in the children of God, the flesh, inclining to sleep, and the spirit, to wake. Matthew twenty six forty one. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And therefore the degree of grace which the best attain to in this life is mixed with imperfection. The guiding and commanding faculties do but imperfectly direct, and the inferior faculties imperfectly obey. It is the office of the understanding and the will to command, of the inferior faculties to obey. There is weakness in all of them, therefore it is said, James 3, 2, In many things we offend all. The understanding in many things is but a blind guide. The will is but in part rectified, and so cannot exercise such a powerful command over our thoughts, passions, and senses. Number two, variety of outward occurrences. Working upon the diversity of principles in us, as sometimes we are in a prosperous state, sometimes in deep troubles, both may cause us deadness and drowsiness in us. Sometimes deep troubles make us weary of well-doing, Second Thessalonians 3.13. So Hebrews 12.3, Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Now, as this weariness and heaviness cause sleep in the body, so it doth in the soul. Tired in God's service, and then our wheels are clogged. A man may be secure in trouble, but usually he is so in time of peace. Peace, wealth, and honor are often abused to spiritual drowsiness and secure neglect of God. Ease slays the fool, Proverbs one thirty two. We had need watch when Delilah spreads her lap for us, and the delights of the world open their bosom to us. Surfeiting with the abundance of worldly prosperity, we neglect the power of religion and please ourselves with the form. David enjoying peace and plenty slew Uriah his friend, who in his adversity spared Saul, his enemy. 
yea, his heart smote him, but for the cutting of the lap of his garment. In the abundance of outward comforts we sit loose from God, therefore we have those cautions. Deuteronomy 8, from verses 7 to 14. Conversing with spiritual sluggards, it counted a high piece of wisdom not to be too forward. Irreligious company and example is a great mantor, and hath a mighty force upon us. And though it does not begin sin in the soul, it does increase it. Isaiah 6, 6. Sin is by propagation, not by imitation, but yet the contagion of example is a great advantage to corruption. To be among warm, heavenly, mortified, self-denying Christians is a great advantage in the spiritual life. There is a notable provocation and excitement in their example. Saul, among the prophets, had his raptures. 1 Samuel 10.10, Hebrews 10.24 Let us provoke one another to love and good works. This begets a holy emulation who shall excel. But carnal company is a deadening thing. We are more susceptible of evil than good. We catch a disease from one another, but we do not get health one from another. By touching the unclean, they become unclean. But he that was unclean was not purified by touching the clean. The conversations of the wicked have more power to corrupt than the good to provoke and excite to virtue. A man that would keep himself awake to God and mind the saving of his soul must shake off evil company. Psalm 119, verse 115. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. And by evil company I mean not only the profane who bespeak their own hatred and detestation by their apparent odiousness, but the loose and careless, as we are to take heed that we be not allured to that which is evil, so that we be not dead unto that which is good. Neglect of God will keep us out of heaven as well as profaneness. We easily leaven one another with deadness and formality. Frequent society with dead-hearted persons breeds it, such whose conference is empty and unsavory and altogether of worldly things. Certainly our dullness and backwardness is such that we need the most powerful helps. Another cause is a dead worship. Christ compares spiritual duties to new wine, Matthew 9, but to pharisaical feasts, to old unsavory stuff that hath no spirits. Old bottles will endure that well enough. Nothing lulls the soul asleep so much as a perfunctory worship or sleepy devotions. Christ's ordinances are simple but full of virtue. His institutions conscientiously observed will keep us awake. Psalm 119.93 I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. Use them much in faith and obedience, and graces will be preserved in us in a lively manner, in constant exercise. For Thessalonians 5.19-20 Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. If you would not quench the spirit, you must not carelessly use the means of grace. The words of the wise are as goads to prick us forward. Ecclesiastes 12.10 In heaven's way. To stir us up to our duty. The Spirit of God sharpens and points the word that it may be as goads on our sides. When we are negligent, here is quickening. 
a dull ministry as well as a dull minister makes us fall asleep. Number five, slumber is the cause of sleeping. Mark the order in a text, they first slumbered and afterwards slept. One degree of carelessness makes way for another, and usually there is a lesser degree at first. Take heed of the beginnings of declining in grace. If we would avoid sleep, we must avoid slumber. No man becomes stark not at the first step. One careless prayer makes way for another. Give way to it now, and it will settle into an utter deadness at last. Men fear not the danger of little sins, and so are hardened under them, till they fall into greater. Small sins harden as well as great sins. It is hard to say which more. Indeed, at first little sins seem to awaken compunction. The prick of a pen makes a man start, but a heavy blow stuns him. David, when he cut off the lap of Saul's garment, his heart smote him. But when he fell into adultery and blood, he was like one in a swoon. This is true, but then on the other side, great sins are more apparent and liable to the notice of conscience. But we neglect small sins, and so inveterate custom grows upon us, and we are insensibly hardened by a carelessness and constant neglect of those kinds of sins. Yea, sometimes more than by gross falls. Surfeit or violent distemper makes us run to a physician. But when a disease grows upon us by degrees, we have death in our bowels before we know it. We take care to mend a great breach, but a leak unnoticed drowns a ship. We have need always to stand upon our watch. Many great mischiefs would not ensue if we took notice of the beginnings of those distempers which afterwards settle upon us. The omission of holy duties and the lack of a constant serious exercise induces a secure, careless temper of spirit. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 19.15, Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and the idle soul shall suffer hunger. Labor dispels of vapors and scatters them, but sloth and idleness makes way for sleep. It is true in the soul, the renewed part has need of a great deal of spiritual exercise to keep it awake. Much prayer, much hearing, much fasting. The Apostle says in Romans twelve eleven, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The way to be fervent in duties is to be frequent in them. Be much in action and in the exercise of grace, that you may be kept fresh and lively. Wells are the sweeter for draining, so is the soul the more fresh and ready for every good work. In gifts we see, if they be not traded with, they rust and decay and fail. So in graces, to him that hath shall be given. He that uses his gifts well shall find them increased. The right arm is bigger and stronger and fuller of spirits than the left, because it is more in use. 7. Grieving the spirit causes him to suspend his quickening influence and then the soul is in a dead and drowsy estate. Though the children of God dare not quench the spirit, yet they may grieve the spirit, Ephesians 4.30. The conscience of a renewed man, after it is wounded by gross sins, may be a dead and stupefied conscience for a long time. Witness David and Jonah. Number eight, a moderate liberty in worldly things as worldly cares and fleshly delights. Sobriety is necessary, 
or a sparing meddling with those worldly comforts that do mightily indispose us for the Christian warfare, 1 Peter 2, 7, Luke 21, 34. Take heed your hearts be not overcharged with excess and drunkenness, as a multitude of gross vapors cast us into a sleep. So do these delights and cares stupefy the soul. Psalm 119.37 Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. You will need quickening if you give way to vanity. Application O take heed of this evil. Mark 13.26 Watch lest the Lord come suddenly and he find you sleeping. Would you have Christ come and find you in this case? Some are wholly in a state of spiritual sleep. To them the Lord speaks, Ephesians 5.14, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And as such the Apostle speaks in 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4. Awake to righteousness, and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. It is all reason and more than time that you should thoroughly rouse up yourselves from the condition of sin in which you have gone. It is a shame. Such should be among Christians. Such as sleep still upon a bed of security when the light of the gospel shines round about them. Oh, when God calls, awake and rise from the dead. If not, God may punish you by your own sin. One of his heaviest judgments is the spirit of slumber and deep sleep. Romans 11.8 and then, what will the end of it be? You may sleep, but your damnation doesn't. Second Peter 2, 3 Certainly we should commiserate the case of such, especially if they be related to us, and seek to awaken them from the sleep of sin that they may be brought home to Christ. O oh, poor careless creatures, they fear not God nor think of his wrath, nor make preparation to stand before the Son of Man at his coming. Number two, there are others apt to slumber now and then, though for the main they have chosen the better part. To these the apostle speaks in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. There is great need. Our adversary watches. The devil is observing all our motions and postures. If we fall asleep, we are exposed as a prey to him. There are many that mind our spiritual harm. If we had no enemy without, there is a bosom enemy, and we are prone as others to be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Therefore you may not sleep as others. You have another spirit in you, and if you are God's children, you have other obligations. Romans 13.11 It is high time to awake out of sleep, for your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. When you first gave your names to Christ, you thought no labor too much, no pains too great. How vigilant and diligent then! And will you sleep now? Your course begins to draw to an end, and you are almost ready to set sail for the other world, that you may meet with Christ. Oh, now, you have shaken off the sleep of sin. Shake off the sleep of sloth also. Shall we be drowsy and cold? At last?